Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm your host, Tina Spring, and I'm here joined today by my smart and pretty co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith. And today... We're taking our inspiration from a Wilt Chamberlain quote that kind of hit me in the feels yesterday. The quote is, everything is habit forming. So make sure that what make sure what you do is what you want to be doing. And I think for me, the kaleidoscope effect of that quote is a pretty fantastic quote. So we decided to use it as the inspiration for today's show. So, Julie, when I say that quote to you, what was the first thing that that jumped to mind for you? Um, Like, what are your thoughts on that? I thought it was a really good quote and and very thought provoking and also quite timely for me, because one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is and and what I've been doing um, in the last uh, few years or so, especially with my writing, is somebody once said to me, and this is many, many years ago, but it took me years to put it into place, was put your writing time on your calendar, just like a dentist appointment. Because if you don't, there'll always be something that will take up that time. And you need to treat it as seriously as you would any other appointment. And so I started to do that. And I have really found that that's true, that on my calendar, I have it on there, that my times to write every week. And unless there's, you know, like a volcanic eruption going on, I really do try to adhere to that. And so it becomes, um, you know, writing is not just an art, it is a habit. And I think that if you can do that for something is as esoteric as writing, it can also be taken in other ways as well. So I started thinking about it in terms of, of dogs, and especially with puppies, there was a wonderful article by Zazie Todd on prioritizing your training goals. And I think this fits that nicely because one of the things she said is if you have your own priority of what you want to do with your dog, then it's a lot more likely that you're going to be successful because you're not going to feel overwhelmed by all the different things that you want to do with your dog. So make it a priority. And maybe that priority will be, I want to form a really strong relationship with my dog and house training. Those are the first two things I really want to do. Focus on those. Focus on those. And as house training begins to go better, I think you'll find too that as you get into the habit of prioritizing things, that other things will fall more naturally into place. So I think it's really important to realize too that that every time you interact with your dog, somebody's going to be learning something. Might as well be the dog. So if you have made a priority of what you want to teach the dog, then you're more likely to achieve that goal. Um, and that brings me to a couple of other things as well, but I wanted to get your thoughts. So I think all of those are excellent points. And I'm I'm so glad Zazie, I mean, Zazie's just so brilliant. We should have her back on. We miss her. Um, hopefully she we should. Out. She is wonderful. Maybe she listens to us. Shout out Zazie. Okay. So, um, so one, I would, I absolutely agree with all of that. This week has been a week for me that this has been, this, this idea has been reflected back to me in a whole bunch of different pants, right? So um, it's being reflected back to me 
on my own wellness and health and diet journey, right? That I'm realizing that the way I'm doing it is maybe I'm doing it backward. Maybe I'm fitting my meals in when I can, instead of planning when my meals are to fit around what's happening, like, and make my life fit around it a little bit more. Two, I have some brand new puppy people who are trying to correct their way to success with their puppies. That doesn't work very well, right? They're like, well, what do I do when I, when he's jumping on the toddler? I'm like, how does he do that on a leash or in a crate, right? Like, I want them to turn it on its ear, not be trying to tell the puppy no, 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 but rather teaching the puppy what we want him to do. I had another sweet, amazing family who has a very, very young, very, very sensitive dog who has double nasty ear infections. Um, and the way the vet told them to handle that, that it was a big emergency, that we had to get this stuff in the ears. And the like accidentally, completely coming from a place of love, completely and totally freaked out the dog. And now we can't get any meds in the ear because the dog is like, no, you, you broke the covenant between us about how you handle me. Um, you know, and they weren't, they weren't being mean. They weren't right. I think about it in terms of my own dogs and the routines that we've gotten into and how they're sometimes not serving us. So for me, this quote probably is going to get printed and put strategically in some places so that I'm thinking about, yes, sometimes life is about just surviving what's going on right now. But every time I let that emergency, what's going on right now happen, I'm teaching the universe that that's how I want to live. And that's not how I want to live. I don't want it to be all inelegant and clunky and I'd rather have a plan. So like, I, right. Right. So, so what's my plan? Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is um, I, I think that what we're also saying here is it doesn't mean you have to live your life by some sort of rigid rules upon which everything must turn because life doesn't work that way either. Stuff happens. So, but what I'm thinking is what it can do is it can be an inspiration to try and do a bit of planning to say, okay, if I create a plan so that if I need to have, for example, when my kids get home from school and that's a time where it's kind of when it's chaos and they really need my attention and I want to give it to them undivided, maybe the solution to that is to not have the dog out. Maybe the solution to that is if I know the kids are going to be walking in the door at 3.30, at 3.15 or 3.20, the dog is going into his crate with a nice tasty Kong or something and down for a nap. And I greet the kids at the front door and we have some time together. And then once everything's calmed down and maybe they're finished having their snack and we're finished talking, then we get the dog out and we all go for a walk. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to sort of, quote unquote, incorporate the dog into every moment of family life. But what it does mean is taking a look at what's going to help to give me the life that I want, that I want for my, what I want to either model for my kids, and how am I going to make it successful for my dog as well as for me? So I kind of see it as if we have a plan in advance, 
then you know what you're going to do when that comes. And that so you're not always reacting. Instead, we're being proactive or active, which is going to feel like you have a little bit more control. Your dog's going to understand. These are the rules. Hey, I can't wait till 3.15 because that's when I get my peanut butter Kong and I get to take a good nap. So I, I think and maybe that's not the solution to your kids coming home. That's just one example. But it's the idea of of taking a step back and saying, how can I be more proactive so that I am forming the habits and living the life more closely to the life that I want to lead? And understand it's going to be constantly every day changing, right? So absolutely. So absolutely. I will, I will tell, I am now telling every single customer, everybody, every single person who will listen to start doing a husbandry program with your dog, even if your dog's good about it. Because I'm telling you, my gut says we're going to stay with curbside care. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And it may ebb and flow a little bit. I think if you're in rural Wyoming, you're probably going to be able to go in with your dog. But if you're living in an area with higher population density, your dog's probably going to be on curbside care on and off probably the rest of your dog's life. So that changes things really profoundly for our dogs. For the dogs that we make them nervous, they're going to be like, thank goodness, nervous mom can stay out in the car. Nervous dad who doesn't like having to go to the vet's office, because let's face it, sometimes the human doesn't like going to the vet's office. Um, The dog can relax and go, great, I get to go in with this person who knows what's going on and isn't nervous and they feed me cookies and they weigh me and they do the things and we move on. For the dogs like mine, some of mine, who are very worried about new people, new places and invasive handling, I have to prepare them. And on, if I was to be completely honest, I needed to prepare them seven years ago. I didn't do it. I put it off because we put off what is scary and unpleasant. But now I'm doing it because I think there's a very real chance that, especially as my dogs age, they are going to be handled without me. And they have to be prepared for that, for the safety of the veterinary staff and for their safety. Because if the vet can't do an exam, they can't help them in something that's completely treatable because they can't even figure out what's going on because you can't touch the dog. So with COVID, one of my big takeaways is we are going to have to teach all of our dogs and cats how to be in the vet, how to be in the groomer without us and to be crazy comfortable with that. Now, am I necessarily ever going to get to a place where my dog loves getting a bath and is jumping in the bathtub and, you know, throwing confetti in the air because we get to have a bath? No, but I can make it that they tolerate it and they're not terrified. Can I get my dog overjoyed at a mani-pedi? Probably not, but I might get them to kind of how I feel going to the dentist and getting my teeth cleaned, where I'm just quietly resigned that I know what's going to happen. They're not intentionally hurting me and I'll make it through. And that might be what we need to condition for, for our dogs. 
Um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. And you know what? Just in general, I think that that's probably a good idea anyway, because it's going to make things easier for you at home. So that even if we're not talking about, you know, going to the vet and having this done, if your dog is a lot more comfortable with being brushed or being bathed or having its paws done, then you're forming a habit that makes things easier for you and for them. And so it, it, it all goes back to that quote about everything is habit forming. So if you make this comfortable for everybody involved, the effort's going to pay off because it's not just for the, the time that you are conditioning them to it. It's for the lifetime of the dog. Sometimes I have to remind people of that. Like, I think puppy classes are great and, you know, puppies need to experience you know, oh, look, I can be in a room with other dogs and still pay attention to my person. And there's a really good puppy class that's offered nearby. Well, it's actually, it's not nearby. It's on the other side of Columbus. And what I remind people who don't want to drive the 45 minutes is like, it's six weeks out of 10 years of your dog's life. And it might help you form those habits and, you know, get your your dog under the eyes of a professional and all kinds of things that are really good for the dog that will have long-term consequences. So I'm thinking that what are my long-term goals for my dog? Not just what are my short-term goals for my puppy? I want it to be housebroken. I want him to come when called. I want him to um, you know, not jump on my children. Those are all great goals. But what's your long-term goal for your dog? Because kind of the habits that we're forming now are going to help you to either achieve or not achieve some of those long-term goals. So one of the things that I, I also like to tell people about is it reminds me of um, Kathy Sedeo and her SMART training, C-Mark and Reward Training, that if you see something that your dog is doing that you like, mark it and reward it, and you'll see more of it. So I tell people, I, say, I want you to envision what a good Clementine looks like or what a good Zuzu or a good Marco looks like. And then when you see that good Clementine coming down the hall, which, by the way, just like never happens. But when I when and if I were to ever see a good Clementine, I would clearly mark it and reward it. And that's kind of that sort of a, a long term habit or attitude. I think habits can also be the way in which you view things. It can be the way in which you, you look at the world. So if you're constantly thinking, OK, what's a good dog look like? And if I see it, I want to reward it that becomes a way of being as well. Well, and and honestly, like this just serves us in the whole universe, right? Humans, I truly believe in my bones, are pre-wired for negativity. We're pre-wired to notice what's wrong, right? So what did my partner do that's wrong? What did my employee do that's wrong? What was the error when I was reading the book? Like what, what grammatical or typo was there? Grammatical error. What you know, that person cut me off in traffic. Like we we generally struggle to move through the world coming from like, wow, that was awesome. And this was really great. And that was awesome. Like we all could take, we could all take a lesson from the happy pit bull puppy, right? That everything is awesome all the time. Like they don't know what they're doing, but they know it's the best thing ever. Um, Can you, I need to, I need to take Mr. Outside out. I'll be back shortly because he's going to escalate from that. All right. Once again, it's one of those. Okay. So you have to have a plan. 
but sometimes life just happens and you have to go with it. So uh, Mr. Literally has to go. So Tina's taking him out. So I think one of the things that we need to be thinking about is what kind of, if I have a way of viewing the world that sets me and my dog up for success, then is that going to bleed into other areas as well? You know, the beauty of like positive reinforcement training is that positive reinforcement training works on pretty much anything that has a neuron firing up there. And it can really affect the way in which you want to take a look at the whole world. And it can really set you up to have a much more positive look view of the world. There's a great book by uh, Karen Pryor called Don't Shoot the Dog. And I highly recommend if you want to know how to apply positive reinforcement training to the rest of your life, read um, Don't Shoot the Dog, because she talks about the various ways in which you can deal with a problem. Um, so you have a behavior problem with the dog. Well, one of the solutions is you could shoot the dog, but that's not probably the way you want to go. And what are the other solutions? What are all the other things you can try? So what I was saying, Tina, while you were out taking care of Mr., was that I think that um, one of the ways in which we can we can bring some more positivity to the world is positive reinforcement training tends to leach into other areas of your life. That if you can be positive in the way in which you interact with your dog, maybe you're going to start to be more positive in other areas of your life as well. Yes. So if we're if we think to ourselves like trying to mindfully capture what we want. I will tell you that that's powerful, right? Like the the vast majority of people who contact me for dog training are not uh, saying, oh, I want more of this and more of this and more of this. They're saying, stop this, stop that, stop this, stop that, which are, by the way, all of the things that dogs do, right? By the way, they're all things people do too. People grab things yes. that don't belong to them <laughs> and people make messes. Like, guess what? All you parents who are freaking out about the fingerprints next to the light switches, I love you. There will be a day that it is heartbreaking to you, heart-wrenching that there are no dirty fingerprints on your walls. So how about we look for, we turn it on the ear and go, yes, I'm going to wash the fingerprints off the walls, but I'm going to laugh at my kids were so active. They actually managed to get dirty today. So when our dog jumps on our kids, I'm not mad at the dog. And I try not to be mad at the kids because sometimes the kids are doing it. Like sometimes the dog was being perfectly reasonable and the child was being a goofball and incentivize jumping and then is mad at the dog for jumping. Or sometimes, guess what? The jumping doesn't go away because it was a functional behavior. Your dog doesn't enjoy that game and he knows if he puts his feet on you, you move away from him. Right? So right. it's habits for them. It's habits for us. It's habits for our kiddos. It's habit for whether or not you take your vitamins in the morning, like it's habits for all of the things. It's habits about am I am I um, organized for negativity and to notice all the bad, wrong, bad, 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 or am I am I mindfully moving toward 
gratitude and appreciation and having a plan so and laughing that when it goes sideways, I go, well, that we know that option doesn't work very well. <laughs> so we can cross that one off the list and look at the other options. So what if the reason your dog is jumping on your child is your dog is saying, mom, this kid is overwhelming me and I need him to move away from me. What if your child is misbehaving and amping up the dog because he's overtired and he needs a nap and when you send him to his room for a timeout, he falls asleep? Like what if all of it, much of it is reactive and is communication that's really not clear? Like. What if the reason that odd job that you have for your guy to do that's been on the to-do list forever that you're nagging him about, what if it's he just doesn't really know how to do it? Because we like like they assume that we know how to get all of the stains out or how to cook his grandmother's recipe for the best chocolate cake. Um we kind of assume that they know how to, like, I don't know, rewire the house and fix all the plumbing, even though he might be an IT guy, <laughs> right? So, and maybe he knows, but maybe he doesn't. So as I move through all of this, I'm just like, wow, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of what habits are we for forming? Am I forming the habit that I just assume? Right. <laughs> there's I'm just like, OK, I don't even know where to begin. There's just you said so much. Um, yeah, sorry. That's that's perfectly fine. Um, I guess one thing I did want to say is, is there was one moment that I was able to really turn things around for one of my daughters. We had a, a dog by the name of Journey and I was raising him for a service organization. And we had him at Christmas time and he grabbed one of her favorite ornaments. It was a little Santa that was kind of a shaped like a spiral. And he was kind of, and he chewed on the bottom of it and she was upset. And I said, sweetheart, I get that. But just remember this, we only get journey for a little period of time. But from now on, every time you pull that ornament out, it's going to be a little bit of a reminder that journey was in our life. And right. she says, she's like, oh, so then it became one of her favorite ones. And year after year after that, she pull out, she goes, remember when Journey chewed on this? So you can turn little disasters into to positive moments. And, um, you know, I think about um, the, you know, like the, the fingerprint, it, like I was taking a quilting class. And the reason I got this idea was because of a quilting class I was taking. And, um, this woman had finished this beautiful quilt and she had some paint and her cat stepped in the paint and then stepped across the beautiful quilt that she had just finished and left little cat paint. Oh, paw I, would struggle, I would struggle to, but you know what? But, I would be like, but this you know, is but, a hey, great quilt. Yeah. The cat died six months later. Right. And she had those permanent little kitty paws on her quilt. Right. And so it's it's one of those things where sometimes and it's like when I telling uh, like I was talking to a client yesterday whose dog loves to run off with his sock and he and uh, his wife won't chase the dog. She just says, hey, trade. 
and the dog will drop the sock and get a biscuit. He said, won't do it for me. I run after the cat dog. And I'm like, okay, in the first place, you just made it a game. You're running after the dog. So the dog grabs the sock, looks at him, takes off running. He runs after the dog. The dog jumps in the chair, and then they have a tug of war. And I said, well, in the first place, you need to remember that this is not an emergency. If he takes the sock, you probably have more time than you realize to deal with the problem. And that secondly, stop running. <laughs> you know, stop making this into a game. Let the dog run. And when he settles down, calmly walk over. And I said, now, this I know this little dog. And this dog loves more than anything else to play tug with his owner. So I suggested that, why don't you get the, and I also know this dog loves to play Frisbee. I said, so pick up the Frisbee and say, hey, look, I have your Frisbee. You drop the sock. I'll throw the Frisbee. And as soon as he drops the sock, you throw the Frisbee. And when I said that, it was this this awakening of, oh, I can take the time to think this through. This is not like he's holding a lit stick of dynamite, right? It's a sock. And um, or, you know, he's he's brought in a rabid raccoon or whatever. Um, Most of the time we have time to think about it. And instead of immediately going to the negative, if you take the step back and think, huh. How can I turn this around? I think that's leaning into that positive reinforcement. It's leaning into saying, what can I do that is going to de-escalate the situation, but maintain my relationship with my dog? Right. And it's information. So if your dog suddenly starts becoming resistant about something, they, they, they won't go into the craft room because they think they're going to have to go in their crate. So there's you just drop back on conditioning. You go, okay, I took that behavior for granted. Right. And you just recondition it. And it's not rocket science. It means like, okay, you know, give them a bully stick when they go in the crate or drop treats off in the crate. Some of their daily intake of food a little bit every day and let them go in and do it on their own. Also randomly put them in the crate, wash your hands, let them out of the crate. Like you just recondition it. It None of it takes a whole bunch of time. There are times that we all are firing on all cylinders and life is good and our house is just kind of kept clean and the laundry done. And then there are the times when I'm overwhelmed and I'm not using my processes and I'm not thinking ahead, then it's like it is now, which is just kind of uncomfortable. So what I learned a long time ago is it's not about spending the whole weekend cleaning the house. That doesn't keep the house clean. It gets it clean for a moment and then we start messing it up again. What what keeps the house clean? What keeps my dog comfortable with toenail cutting or going in the crate or coming when called or what keeps my child talking to me about the little things so that they'll talk to me about the big things is husbandry. And that, that is the magic and the joy in my life. Teaching a dog, you lie down, you put your head down, I handle your feet, we cuddle together, you go about your business and do something else for two minutes a day, goes a long way toward being able to cut toenails. And you can't just 
wrestle. Well, you can. It'll just end badly. You can't just wrestle them to the ground and cut their toenails. And that's what we do. Honestly, we do that all the time. We do that with our partners. We do that with ourselves. We do that with our dogs and our cats and our kids. It's we. We don't um, we don't prepare and everything goes better if we're prepared. Everything. If you have a fire drill plan and you practice it, when there is a real fire, it'll go better. That's why we I have do a story that. about that. In fact, um, we had a family that we knew in Virginia and they had six children and then they adopted four more children from Russia. And they had a big house and three stories and they had lots of kids, right? So they had fire, they had a fire plan and they practiced it. And indeed they did have a fire. The entire house was burned to the ground, but every single child got out because they practiced that. And I was really impressed because a lot of us say, yeah, I've got a fire plan or I think I know what I'm going to do, but it really does pay to practice it. And, and that kind of husbandry when And for them, it was incredibly important because they had 10 children on three different floors and needed a way to be able to, to make sure everybody had a buddy and got out. And it was, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, their plan. So like when we moved into our house here, Emma's room was on the third floor. So one of the first things I did was buy her a fire ladder to throw out her front window so she could get down to the, the roof on the second floor and I had her practice, go out the window and down the fire ladder, which was really scary. But right, because right. because in the well, first, I will say, I'll bet that those parents of 10 couldn't give a rip about the fingerprints on the light switches. They were a beautiful, beautiful family. No, what I mean is like, OK. So your dog's annoying you and your kids are annoying you and your spouse is annoying you and your mom's annoying you because, well, you know, we mom types are annoying. That's our job. So like that's how you remember us is we're like a, a pebble in your shoe. So, OK, all those things are annoying. But if if it, the proverbial hoo-ha was hitting the fan, would any of that matter or would we pull together if if. If we lost that dog today, would we be complaining about how he was with toenail cutting? Would we be complaining that he jumped on the kids? No, we wouldn't. None of my dogs that have passed away, none of my friends or family that have passed away, do I sit around complaining about. I miss them. And, and I judge myself for all the things that I didn't do with them. I will also say, like, now I have this big crisis with my dogs about being able to get veterinary care because I can't go in with them. So I'm doing the work. It's fine. I don't. I, and I'm actually enjoying doing the work with them. But now there's all this pressure on the system that didn't need to be there. So. I get a lot of people who get new dogs or get new puppies and they want the dog to learn leash skills and a, and a 30 foot stay off leash. And all of those are great things. And I absolutely want them to do that. But you know, what will matter more whether or not you can cut your dog's toenails that will end up mattering more. What will matter more is whether your dog wags your, their tail at you when you come in the room or whether they, they go, no, thanks. 
Like the relationship is going to matter more. Preparing them for the world is going to matter more. And I'm not saying obedience isn't important because it is. It's absolutely important. But the relational things, the every day, do I yell at my dog every day for sticking their head in the trash can? I think in the end that's going to matter more. Okay, now Julie's making a face like something bad's happening at her house. Yeah, Clementine is trying to escape. Hang on. I'm just going to stick this in the middle of the recording that I'm so grateful for you and our friendship and how awesome you are. And I don't tell you often enough. Okay, so I had Clementine locked in the kitchen because she was working on a marrow bone. So then she just was pounding on the, tapping on the gate. I'm done. I'd like to come out now. So I wanted to make sure she didn't actually pull the, the gate over. And she didn't. And she was done with her marrow bone. And so now she's here in my office. And I picked up the two marrow bones and they're in the sink so that nobody's going to get upset about somebody having a marrow bone and not the other person having, or the other dog having a marrow bone. So anyway, so yeah, Clementine's just being Clementine. So one of the things I'm realizing more and more, like as people are getting chronically stressed, there's, we're not, um, we're not conditioning things. We're very reactive. We're very reactive. So there's a lot of hold the dog down and cut toenails every week because toenails got away from us. And not thinking about the fact, or maybe you got the dog and their toenails were crazy long, right? Well, well, if that dog has very long toenails, that dog's feet hurt. And handling those feet is uncomfortable. Their feet hurt all the time. And so then you're in this juxtaposition of we want to cut toenails because we want to alleviate discomfort, but the dog is not emotionally and physically comfortable with the work. And so then we end up in this weird no man's land where if we keep forcing the issue, the dog will likely escalate. And if we don't do it, the pain just gets worse. So what do we do? And so I will get families who will say, well, I just ordered a Dremel. And believe me, if I thought ordering a Dremel was going to make a dog's toenails short, I would have ordered one a long time ago. My experience is you have to condition a Dremel and you have to know how to use it and you have to practice. So right now I am working and I think I'm going to I'm going to try to reach out to her and see if we can get her on the call. But maybe you guys have had her before. But um, Dr. Deb Jones with Cooperative Care, Seven Steps to Stress-Free Husbandry. Um, I think I'm going to try to reach out to her, but I just bought pasta specifically to practice how to Dremel toenails without a dog involved. Because I don't, I've had Dremels for years. I've never known how to use them for dog toenails. So I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to talk to some people who do it all the time. And I'm going to practice on pasta because uncooked pasta is similar in consistency to dog toenails. And I'm going to practice so that I'm confident, right? I did not learn to ride my motorcycle by putting a helmet on and taking it up to the mountains. I learned by taking a whole bunch of classes because it was important to be good at it, not just to do it. And that's how I feel. A bunch of stuff is for me in interacting with my 
dogs. Like if I'm going to ask my dog to put up with me fumbling around with a Dremel, doing it poorly, doing their toenails, that's not fair. I'm not doing my part. Like holding the dog down and cutting toenails is not the answer. Right. Slowing down, feeding 87 pieces of cheese and trimming one toenail at a time, a little bit is fair. And even better is conditioning the dog that the dog gets to say, yes, I'm ready to play this game or no, I'm not. So we all want it to be fast. We do, but you don't get there fast. That's how you get the dog who won't let you cut toenails. That's how you quick them because they're dancing around with their feet when you're trying to cut toenails. So it's like that in the older I get, I'm just Methuselah, but the older I get, I think it's about everything. And I'm, it could be debilitating. I'm choosing to view it as an opportunity to get better at it. That maybe practicing downstays in the backyard with squirrels trying to make baby squirrels, while that has tremendous value, is not as important as will my dogs be comfortable if they cut themselves somewhere, if they get an injury and I have to take them to the vet are they comfortable with that grooming and handling? If a, if a child handles their feet, are they relaxed and happy about that and go, great things happen when people handle my feet? So I don't know. Maybe I'm just off in the weeds on this whole thing, but no, no, it's I my weirdness. No, I don't think so. But I, I think that there's more to this quote than dremeling toenails. Yeah. Um, so I think that the idea... Like, are you practicing panic or are you practicing planning? Right. So I think one of the things that, that I think the takeaway here should be that this is not just about husbandry issues and it's not just about trimming your dog's toenails. What this is right. about is taking a step back and thinking about what's the quality of life that I'm looking for for me and for my pet and for my children? What is the quality of life that I'd like to have so that when I do look back on this dog, I'm not going, you know, I spent way too much time worrying about vomit. Okay, so you and I, you and I are both grandparents. Are there things, and, and maybe you don't want to talk about what specifically it is, but are there things that in the moment of parenting felt really, really, really important that if you had it to do over again, you would be like, this This is not, this is like, I'm not even going to worry about this. Like, why did I put all that energy into it? Oh, pretty much everything. Right. What do you wish? So likewise, are there things on your list of things that you didn't do or that you didn't savor that you wish you had? Um. Honestly, there's there's not a lot there for me. And part of it is because I was very consciously making that decision to be in the moment with my children as much as I could, which is one of the which is one of the reasons why um I ch I remember actively Brad and I talking about this and us actively deciding that I was going to stay home with our children. Because I did not want to become an adult 
And oh, hang on a second. Zuzu's decided to tear up some my Kleenex package. Hang on, Zuzi. No sweetums. Thank you. Here, I'll give you one. How's that sound? There you go. You can have one of my Kleenex. There you go. Um, no, when when uh, we talked about having children, we decided that we wanted to have two people doing two jobs rather than two people trying to do three jobs. And we decided that I said, you know, look, I don't want to get have my children out of the house and go, shoot, I spent way too much time at the office. Oh. And so for me, there aren't a lot of moments that I feel like I didn't savor enough or I didn't pay close enough attention to because I actively chose to live my life that way. So I actively chose to live my life that way. And I still feel like I missed out on a whole bunch of stuff. Part of that is because I, you know, we didn't, I didn't adopt Victoria until she was 13. So I didn't get to see like first steps, first tooth fall out. Like there were a lot of riding or learning to ride a bike. Like there were a lot of things that I just, I wasn't in her world yet. She wasn't in my world yet. Um, but it's, I, I can remember like at one point she wanted at like, I don't know, I made the wrong decisions for all the right reasons. Yeah. I mean, I had moments like that too. It was kind of like, mom, can we go do this? No, I don't want to do that. It's, you know, no, it's, it's, you know, it's too far of a drive or it's, it's raining out or, you know, when, when all that stuff didn't matter. It really that I can't remember anything in particular, but I do remember those incidents of me going, wow, I should not have, I should have just done it. I should have just done it because the, the reason I said no may have seemed legitimate at the time, but it was actually a pretty flimsy reason why I didn't do it. Well, so, I mean, I think that's part of just like the stress of life. Like I, I know I tend to say no when I'm just overwhelmed and I don't want to have to think about it. Right. Like that's when you get a no from me is when I'm like, I can't, I can't even think about it. Like it, do, it has no bearing on whether or not I want to spend time with you or whether or not I want to do the thing. It has to do with, I can't handle another, another thought. Right. What's, but what I found, so was staying home and having a plan for how, like, okay, my adult dog needs 18 hours of deep restorative sleep in order to be a healthy living dog. He also requires learning how the world works and interaction and bonding with me and enrichment and exercise and all those things too, right? Like, so we have, here's all of the criteria of good stewardship of my dog, right? So it was easy for me to go, oh, well, while my daughter is running in track practice, I can count that time for um, Chipper to be working on desensitizing to the environment, coming when called, cuddling in the grass, cutting toenails outside because he really likes it outside, practicing getting in and out of the car and not bolting out. But I... I literally would write it down. Like, this is what we're going to do while I'm at track practice with Victoria while she's running track, right? Because she was she was going to be there long enough for me to, like, go home and get a bunch of stuff done. So instead, it's like, okay, how do I fit 
spending the time with the dog, doing the things I want to do, doing the things that fill me up. Like not for some people, it's not dog training. They don't, they don't love that work. They love baking. But if you know your kid's going to be at baseball for two hours for practice, like, I don't know, maybe you can research a new recipe for Thanksgiving for baking, right? That's awesome. Whatever it is for you. Um, but I had to learn how to take more of a satellite view of it and go, okay, don't like how this is working. I don't want to spend my whole Saturday cleaning. So how do I, how do I fit a little bit of cleaning in every day so that I'm not doing crisis cleaning on Saturday? By the way, shout out to flylady.net for changing my life. If you don't know what that is, hit us up on an email or the socials and we will, I will tell you about it. It's fantastic. But more and more, I realize as I age that that kind of just work consistently husbandrying it all helps. And so if the dogs are freaking out about the doorbell, I need a different plan. If they're jumping on Christopher when he comes in the door, I don't want that. He should come home to a peaceful house. So I need a different plan. So it's not that I'm not going to screw it up. I am. I'm going to royally screw it up. I'm really good at that. It's okay. I don't like how that went. It didn't, it wasn't comfortable. Hopefully we don't get to the point of a dog fight for it to be uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable. So what are some things we can do differently? And then build those options in and find the one that works for you. Right. And, and also to understand that you may decide on a plan and if the plan doesn't work, that's okay. You, at least you, you try right. something, try right. another plan. Anyway, so I think that the, the, the thrust of this is that, um, you know, life is, life is going to throw you a bunch of curveballs. So the, the most, so if you can have some plans as to how those curveballs, you might want to handle them, get those in place and try it out. That might be a good thing to do. Prioritize what you think is important for you and your dog and work towards those things. And I think part of it is is, is also to um, maybe one of the things you we ought to think about prioritizing is a little bit of grace, a little bit of grace in our lives towards ourselves and towards others that, hey, we're all trying the best that we can do. And that if I take that positive attitude of, um, you know, trying to change it around from a negative to a, a positive and to an opportunity and to add in a little bit of grace that um, you might find that, that things are maybe not as overwhelming as they first appeared to be. So Right. And it's, and it's two minutes. It's two minutes. And it'll get better. It, it gets better. It does. Like, I, I was talking to someone last week about, last week's theme in my universe was how frustrating adolescent dogs are and oh, by the way, the grief associated with that, <laughs> right? So for the eight-month-old puppy right now, this is the first time they have seen leaves fall out of trees in mass. It is the first time that they have seen, you know, fall migration. It is the first time they have experienced people decorating for Halloween, so let's not be frustrated with them. 
let's give them a moment to habituate to the environment and to enjoy the wonder of experiencing it through their eyes and going, oh, the leaves scared you. Oh, okay. Well, here, let's take a minute and and play with leaves, right? Like we're in such a hurry, I think, because there's just so much stress. There's so much stress that it's like, okay, how do we slow down and enjoy that adolescent puppy and know that that puppy developmentally should be willing to do more for your neighbor than you right now. They're not doing it to be jerk faces. They're doing it because it's developmentally what they're supposed to be doing. And if you can find the humor and the joy in it, and if you cannot be grouchy about all of it, which can be hard, we'll talk you off the ledge. Um, it's worth it because they're pretty flipping amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree with all those things. I, I guess the, the idea behind this episode then is just to try and get you to perhaps take a step back and, and realize that, that taking a moment to, uh, to, to look at your dog in your life from a different perspective might lead you to start developing those habits that are going to serve you better in the long run. So um, with that, I guess that's a, uh, I think pretty much the summation of of what we wanted to talk about today. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Tina? No, we would love your input. Like we would, and, or your challenges, right? If as you're listening to this episode, you're like, well, dog trainer, what do we do in this situation? Like know that we think you're smart and pretty and we want to help. That's why we do this. We might even have you on an episode to talk about the situation in your life and how you can wrangle it. Right. We're we're not just I don't know. We're not just talking into a screen like we genuinely want to help. And we're genuinely really weird. And we've screwed a combined combined. Julie and I have decades of screwing it up experience behind us to give you lots of new, awesome ways to mess it up, to find the right way for you. So with that, we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.